you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Can't figure out what XFL stands for. That's not true. Extreme Football League. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Sirius XM. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, right? Dan. Right? X is extreme. Right. So the pers- So that came from a listener, and the listener has listened to a series of shows and views us as mental dolts. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm wrong. It's maybe a, it's a all sim- it all, it, the league also has, you know, been, well, please. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. How's everybody doing? Greg? I'm great. Good until I heard that. Now annoyed. Now annoyed. I get it. Wes, you got the the uh, winter cap on here. In well, I, in Los I came in with nothing but this polo shirt on, and then it was, you know, it was like a meat locker in here, so put the old gray shirt and a hat on. Wednesday and, ma- and make sure you get it and make sure you check it out if you haven't yet because I'm sure your fantasy draft is this weekend or in the week coming. The Fantasy Extravaganza. It was the 25th annual tw- uh, Fantasy Extravaganza and what a celebration it was to mark that milestone. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to bring it up but I wanted to make one more point that one more uh, nugget that I got, Mark, from the Wessling Rosenthal Rich Eisen show appearance, which again went over like gangbusters everywhere you turn. A lot of uh, social media action around that. Appearance. The guys look great, and I I, I mentioned this on uh, Instagram and Twitter, um, but I want to say it in person. You guys looked really good on camera, fit, mm. well dressed, fit. Yeah, that's generous. Well Thank spoken. You. It was just a nice. It was a nice thing to see. Uh, represented the brand well, uh, but I didn't want to mention Mark that I heard through the grapevine that. Um, you know, Wes, he, he positions himself as the man sitting at the top of the common man rankings. Okay? Sure, he does. Famously. Yeah. You know, uh, Bertie told me that he took a limo to the Rich Eisen show. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> there, there was no a limo. limo. That there, cannot be true, Wes. That is erroneous. There was no limo. And the poor driver had to take out a baby seat to put us in. It was a car service. It was a Yes. <laughs> It was, if it was it was Same offered, thing. what am I going to do? Not take it? Let's actually, I have I have footage, uh, the west side <laughs> of Cincinnati, a working class area. Let's cut to the west side of Cincinnati. Their reaction to the news. <laughs> oh, is that Wes's mom? They're worked up, and they should be. In, in Wes's defense, he doesn't drive an automobile these days, which is kind of a common man thing. So, uh, you know, if you get off no, a free the, ride. The common man thing is the get, Uber. getting the pickup truck. And rumble over to DirecTV headquarters. Or I would say just a, just a simple UberX, the lowest tier Uber offering. Expense it. You can expense it easily right. with the company. Paper. I'm sure right. Wes has a, a very cooked up um, appropriate response to this, though. I was told by the people in the west side of Cincinnati that I was getting up and he when I wore Dockers once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'm I learned, used to this. One thing I learned yeah. during that episode, yeah. sitting behind the glass, is that you guys are ass. <laughs> I now understand it took you, it what, took you going back well there. I'm in here and I become one too but when I'm back there I realize these guys are impossible to deal with total vultures uh, they are living up on clouds and I just was appalled by what I viewed especially off air sobering sobering stuff Mark uh, coming up on the Friday edition of the Around the NFL podcast some preseason week three uh, takeaways. There was a handful, a bushel of games played Thursday in what used to be the most important um, week on the preseason calendar. And I guess it still is, but it's different now. It's just different. It's just not treated in the same way it once was. But there are takeaways and we will share them. Also, um, Greg wrote a banger. Yeah, he did. What was that? 5,000 words? Truth alert. Drop a 5,000 <laughs> word banger on us. No, it was, 20, 20, it was under 2,500. Really? Yeah, nice work. Anyway, biggest training camp surprises going city by city by city. Now, Mark, what an ass 
say that? Look at all the compliments I'm paying to the group today. Can you well, stop saying it so I have to go back and bleep all these words? Like yeah, an I mean, asshole keeps saying the word asshole, so I have to go back and do all this work. Whenever Touché. you are buttering anyone up, it is for a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Fortier. Uh, Get that drop right there. So Greg wrote about the his, his from his viewpoint the biggest camp surprises in each uh, city. So we'll hit that. But before that, let's do some news. Going broke, buying hype, but I know what I like because hey. I'm banking on the Browns to be that winning type. Oh. Total wins two digits. Grab the credit and swipe. Go ahead, turn up. Change the stereotype. Jay Dorsey spinning it, making the right pick. Imagination at work. Call him General Electric. Oh. Flick moves one after the other. All this new talent. Man, it pays to discuss. Oh, hey. Dog pound, let me hear you. Bark that noise. Freddie, ready with the Cleveland boys. Maker hey. in the back with a stash of poise. Better believe, believe Lynn. Got some brand new toys. Hey. Boy, Brown making D's shiver. Light the league on fire like the Cuyahoga River. Never seen flows hot like these are. Cardi C best in the pocket since Bernie Kozol. Yay! Oh! Wow. That was not Cardi B. That was Connie Fox, a.k.a. the Tiny Box, Colleen Wolf, this morning on Good Morning Football. All about your Browns, Mark. I'm blown away. And I, you know, one little, there's so much to unpack there, but she mentioned Baker Mayfield's fashion poise. And I, you know what, obviously um, he did the GQ thing and I saw, I seen all the tweets, everyone calling what the coat he wore, his grandmother's <laughs> coat, all this other stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's be real about one thing. And it's now it's his turn to be ripped apart for his fashion choices. <laughs> Every one of these quarterbacks that does one of these fashion spreads and really any rich male, any male that becomes super rich sure. starts wearing clothing that is so beyond what any of us would ever comprehend putting on that he's just like anyone else at this point. It's not they like get he's set new. Give me a break with the Mark Sanchez spreadsheet. Like that, that to me was <laughs> next a, level. Right, he's not picking these clothes. The them. only question is whether he takes them with him. I, mean, I think Baker's at the point he's just taking those clothes. Right. Was it? I Probably thought that was like a joke on, on Twitter. That was actually his grandmother's coat? No, it's just that oh. it looked very much like, a, like a, a coat a grandmother from any century might uh, put on. Gotcha. Yes. Any century. Connie Fox, wow. Yeah. She did a great job. She wrote that? I Yes, she did. She did, and she performed it, and I think she won the rap battle between uh, her, Nate <laughs> yes, Burleson. As predicted. And Kyle Brandt. Wow. Nicely done. That hurts, Nate. You know it does. <laughs> <laughs> Cam Newton got hurt. Unbelievable. On Thursday, he left the preseason game against the Patriots uh, with a foot injury. He left the, the stadium in a walking boot. And Rap Sheet reported Friday that an x-ray and other tests, um, he was diagnosed with a midfoot sprain in his left foot. General manager Marty Herney told Rap Sheet that the team is, quote, cautiously optimistic that Newton will be ready for week one mm. against the Rams. Week one, which is now, you know, just over two weeks away. And uh, Wes, you know, we didn't mention... Cam Newton in um, the fantasy extravaganza during the stay, stay away chatter, but he was on my list just didn't get a chance to bring him up. I just, I'm a little bit nervous about Cam because um, obviously any 30 year old quarterback that's had two shoulder surgeries, you get nervous, uh, but he's also had ankle surgery. Now this foot is right connected to that ankle. Is it possible that a guy that's taken a lot of abuse over the years, he's breaking down. Is that a real concern to be having if you're a Panthers fan? Cause it's a scary one. Well, I mean, is it possible? Sure, but I I don't know. It seems more like bad luck to me than breaking down a midfoot sprain. Uh, to me, the greater concern is that I haven't liked what I've seen out of Will Greer, the quarterback they drafted in the third round. Guys like Ryan Finley, the Bengals' mid-round pick, and Jared Stidham, the Patriots' mid-round pick, look a lot better. I haven't, like, I've been impressed with Easton Stick a little bit from the mm. Chargers, but Will Greer has not played well. And he got a rave reviews coming out of the draft. It's a bummer because Cam Newton got really good reviews in practice for his arm looking great, like throwing the deep ball pretty well. He's got the new motion. You're kind of excited to see this new Cam, and now he's going to be coming in to a brutal week one matchup as it is with an injury. Even if he plays, you would think they're going to try to limit him being their goal line you know, back, which he essentially is in that time. And you just hate, like, going into the season that way. I don't blame them, though. Like, everyone said, like, oh, see, this just shows you can't play your players in the preseason. I just feel like that that's a little too easy. Like, certain teams, like, every team is a little different. Certain teams believe that it's going to help. If you're playing football, you're going to be at a risk. It's a bummer when they get hurt in week one, too. And it, 
it's not any different. That could have happened in practice. What if right. watch right. the play just, got injured on it's you? Just, it's going to happen if you're playing football. The Patriots thought it was important for Tom Brady to, to play football. I think he did too. And it's like everyone's got to make their own call. But and, that doesn't mean you I think, never play. And Wes nailed it with the bad luck. But I mean, because Newton in 2014, he fractured a rib in a preseason game and missed regular season action. To, to Dan's point, he's had a concussion. He, I, I, I get there's some of these guys, I like to call them just like a bug because they're constantly getting the injury bug biting them left and right. We're always talking about their injuries. You and, call you know, Cam Newton a bug? A bug. Like he got, then it's like it's December in 2014. He gets into a random car accident. You got, now that's you bad take, luck. It's bad luck. I'm not saying that's his I fault. Guess that's I, mean, a, I don't know how that My point being is that the car accident, a perfect example. That's rotten luck. And yeah, injuries suck and they're rotten luck too. But when they start to pile up for a guy that has plays a certain way, I would just be starting to get nervous if I was a Panthers fan, but he might want to reconsider those glamour scooter shoots on his way to the stadium. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for multiple reasons. And it is like you said, he's got a very tough matchup against the Rams, Greg. And, and it was a bummer watching a diminished version of Newton labor through those last five or so starts last season. And now you, you have a situation for the Panthers who just want to turn the page. And now you might have a hobbled Newton in week one. Uh, we'll see what kind of um, progress he makes as we get closer to that Sunday. Moving on, bad news on the throne of Sleaze. Patriots safety Patrick Chung has been indicted by a grand jury on a charge of cocaine possession. Uh, this, in, this occurred in Meredith, New Hampshire on June 25th. The felony charge is only one uh, charge Chung is facing. Uh, excuse me. The felony charge is the only one Chung is facing. Uh, no other individuals involved. Uh, he has a court date coming up. He doesn't have to uh, appear at it. His lawyer can appear on his behalf. That's um, an August 28th arraignment. So we'll see how this gets sorted out. But uh, Greg Chung is an important, important part of that defense. And this is a pretty heavy off the field situation to be hanging over him. It, yeah, it's unclear what it's going to mean for his status. Whether could he be playing week one? Could he be suspended? Could he just be away from the team for the whole year? Like, no one has any idea. But to your point, a, a huge Patriots fan who we all know well, let's call him Burke, I mean, <laughs> texted me apoplectic after this, thinking that after Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore and Tom Brady, that Patrick Chung might be the third most valuable Patriot. I'm like, all right, let's calm, let's calm down there. I know uh, he covers tight ends well and he's versatile, but let's calm down with that. It does mean, though, that Deron Harmon, who's been a starter the last few years and some people thought would maybe not make this team, might get traded to one of those uh, Patriots South or West uh, coming out of camp. Looks like he'll make the team. I think that's kind of my takeaway because they're going to need him now. Ill planning though because it sounds like from you, when you piece together the, re- the report that an alarm went off or something that alerted the police who were going there to help obviously and assist and then bang you know your house is not put together so the they're way in you the house to be. checking on right. a, a, what like a, a burglar alarm I think to, to help the civilian that lives there instead the civilians I think maybe in that news. spot, the, the cops give a little wink. Patrick, clean up the snow. Something like that. They feel differently. Yeah, go, in Meredith, go get the New shovel Hampshire. out. You got to get off Erica the grid. Erica knows how it operates in New Hampshire. They get the snow plow out, You got to get off the grid. Meredith, none of, none right of these alarm here, systems. This big lake, the biggest lake in New Hampshire, mm. Meredith, is, is Lake Winnipesaukee. Mm. And it gets kind of wild up in up, up there. Up in you the know? Pissock? It does. <laughs> it <laughs> I don't is. think they call it that. but And I don't know enough about that. I'm not uh, obviously making any... Uh, comment about Patrick Chung's guilt or innocence, but it is interesting that I feel like every six to nine months, there's some like mega criminal charge connected to the New England Patriots. Just, <laughs> Here we go. I just, you know, connect the dots over the years. I know everybody, there's team players and front office officials get in trouble from every organization. You've got quarterbacks, you know, you know, dispensing their phones and dumpsters mm. because they don't want those to be examined. You know, it's, it's a broad. Uh, I would just say, take out the red string, you know, the red string and criminal investigations and then just go, Basically, year to year. It's going to go th- a through line. Manhunter season three. <laughs> yes, no, maybe so, Greg. What? That, that, that they get, uh, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of gates. There's been a lot of, you know. Stuff. Crime. Oh, not they get more, they get more attention. And they've checked all the boxes, like at the level from petty misdemeanors to capital murder and everything in between. Like stumbling <laughs> naked into a police station. That, too, is the, the ones that are more humor-based. Okay, I'm going to move on. It, it's too bad. Chung's been a great story. You know, he left, he left home. He came back. He's won three rings since he's been back. You know, he's much, been much better since they originally cut him back in the day or traded him. This is the Poor guy. deepest Patriots defense I remember in years. They're going to be good again. All right, let's move on. Michael Crabtree, he's back. 
Two weeks after working out for the Cardinals, left without a deal, the veteran wideout agrees to terms with Arizona on a one-year deal. He joins uh, a group uh, of receivers led by veteran Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, not Keyshawn, Andy Isabella, and Hakeem Butler. Kevin White, the former Bears first-round pick, he got cut. I guess that's uh, Crabtree essentially replaces Kevin White on this depth chart. Crabtree, 31 years old, Mark, spent last season with the Ravens, uh, had a big role in the offense, at least until Lamar Jackson showed up um, and had 607 yards receiving three touchdowns. Uh, A guy that maybe finds a way to catch the ball in the end zone, but not the most explosive guy at this point of his career. I mean, I I gather that they brought him in initially. A, obviously he's available, but that he played under Mike Leach at Texas Tech, so he's very familiar with the offense. And I think, you know, you opened Cardinals camp and there was this buzz about Kevin White and where Kevin might, White might end up in the offense. For us, it's all wait and see, and he's gone. And they also lost to Keem Butler, so there's, there's a spot there, but... The Keyshawn Johnson news is interesting to me because it was Josh Weinfuss of ESPN that said he may have had the best training camp of anyone on the Cardinals roster, veteran or rookie alike. So they need they need people to step up and turn into glue for Kyler Murray right away. Well, it's a, he Keyshawn Johnson's a six-round rookie, very shifty, quick. They want to play with four receivers, and this shows why... You know, when we project the starters, I do this. And, you know, fantasy owners are drafting Andy Isabella. It's just like, well, they're going to have four receivers. And, and you, you, they like the college evaluation of Andy Isabella. And they like Hakeem Butler. And that's going to be their four. And you just never know with rookies. Isabella just doesn't look like he's ready to go. And to me, this is basically, we're, we don't want to play this guy. We like Keyshawn Johnson. And Crabtree's going to be in there. And that's our top four with, with Kirk and Fitzgerald. I'd like to point out that in the last two off seasons. The two teams with among the worst wide receiver cores in the league have said the way to get better is to get rid of Michael Crabtree. And now a team with one of the worst wide receiver cores in the NFL has said mm. a way to get better is to bring in Michael I th- Crabtree. I think he he can still play. He's savvy, though. You know, remember they, there was that report where they couldn't get a deal done with Crabtree two weeks ago? What has he done in between? He fired his agent, and then he hired the same agent who represents Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Smart. Which seems like a conflict of interest when you're representing the number one overall pick and the and the coach. And Worked out. There's a lot of that. Do you know what Crabtree? Watching you, agents. There's a lot of young wide receivers on that roster and a young quarterback. You know what Crabtree feels like to me, Wes? Bill Parcells coined it once upon a time. Progress stopper. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Let's move on. It's also a big play stopper. <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys make a big deal. Oh, man, a big contract, but not with one of the players you might expect. They reached agreement on a long-term deal earlier this week with linebacker Jalen Smith. The Cowboys uh, made the deal official after a rap sheet report. Uh, Stephen Jones said Tuesday the extension is for five years and is worth $64 million, including $35.5 million guaranteed. He's under contract through the 2024 season. If you're a listener of this podcast, uh, you've heard Chris Wessling singing the praises uh, of Smith all throughout the 2018 season. And he's such a great story after what happened at Notre Dame where he, was, he looked like a stone-cold top-five pick, suffers a terrible knee injury, and you never, you're not sure if he's ever going to be able to play in the NFL. Uh, it does affect his draft stock, but the Cowboys took a chance, Wes. They took him high in the second round. Uh, he sat out his rookie year and became one of the best linebackers in football. Yeah, it's a great story. At one point, he had drop foot syndrome, and he could barely – he had no range of motion in his – Lower leg. It's an amazing story. Nobody thought that he was going to come back and be one of the best linebackers in football, which he was for the last few months of, of last season, along with Leighton Vander Esch. He is a guy that you could tell, even in his second, but definitely last year, his third year, he's such a leader for that team that he... He's an impressive human. He talked to him, remember? Right. And, okay. and the, the Cowboys in training camp... The, just the way that they would talk about it, even in, his, even in his second year, you could just tell the influence he has over all of them and the way he approaches and kind of the joy he has and the way he talks about Leighton Vanderhaus and the two of them seem like just a perfect pair to, to sign forever. And I saw some criticism that's like, you know, this is a, a relatively team-friendly deal. Like, he could have gotten more money if you waited out. Like, this is a guy who had his entire career flash before his eyes, is, is happy to have it. He's two years away from free agency. And I, I hate that where you're like trying to get into someone else's money saying that, 
you, you should have tried to get more money. It's like he's his generations are, are secured for, you know, his sons and his, you know, and the next generation after that. Like, don't don't tell people not to sign a big contract if they want to shut up. And I mean, the Cowboys, you know, I can't think of a team in a person more than Jerry Jones who is attracted to high risk, high reward draft picks. And they don't like Randy Gregory. Not working out at this point. And, and essentially, you could look at him and say, maybe you, you stretched on that one. But this was viewed that way, too. And it has worked out beautifully. And I like a team that once you find that position group that is stacked, you don't decide, we're going to keep one, move someone else, and go lower money at the position. So a lot of teams do that. And their general managers can't figure out a way to keep all these guys, keep this group together. Their defense has gotten so much better. And I'll give Smith the last word, because in his press conference, he said, uh, pointing back to the Cowboys essentially taking that risk on him in the second round, here's what he had to say. You took a risk. Um you know, a $4.5 million risk, you know, had I never been able to play again. So me understanding that it was my duty for them um, to get the return on their investment. And they've been able to do that. And, you know, now fortunate enough to uh, to, to really be a cowboy for life is just what, is what I wanted. It's a good story. I like those stories. Now, cowboys keep doing work so they don't have to talk about <laughs> contracts anymore and Big well, there's, there's three more to discuss. It's not going away tonight. Uh, injury news from the preseason. Uh, Drew Locke on Monday Night Football, preseason edition, sprained um, his throwing hand, and that's going to cost them a lot of time. It sets back the Broncos' um, second-round rookie uh, to the point where he could start the season on IR Boomerang. Is that right, Mark? Yes, but I hear some flack. Some people are saying, I, I prefer IR Boomerang, and people are telling me that they like uh, Boomerang IR, that that rolls off the tongue. I always thought that sounded better, personally. No, I so like IR Boomerang. Again, it, it only goes back to the fact that it's not sticking on any level as a true term because people it's can't even something. describe what, right. what's happening. Right, with Erica, it, if you could describe in you know 30 words or less, what is IR Boomerang? Put it on the spot. Well, like in football terms? Yes. It's like people that bounce off and on the injury report. I mean, that's about 70%, right? She's very close. It's like a new, it's like a new rule for new listeners. You know, injured reserve used to mean you're out for the season, but now you can put a player on injured reserve and they can come back as early as I believe eight weeks is the earliest. But isn't it two players now? Yeah, you can do two players now. And that is IR boomerang. I believe you said bounce back. And yeah. It's sort of like oh, the yeah. idea that the boomerang, you're sending them far out of field. And, and you know, if it, it were returns. for it Frisbee, it's gone. Yeah, it's not IR to. Frisbee. That, per, that, that thing is in the woods. I, it, know where that this is almost like it almost takes uh, Vic Fangio and John Elway off the hook because it would have been embarrassing when Kevin, Kevin Helgen was their backup week one, which I think he would have been whether really? Locke was hurt or not. I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but I just think luck. I, one of my takeaways from this, you know, uh, preseason is just there. You know, Joe Flacco's playing this season. I, I would have thought, good. That I right, but even if the rest of the team is terrible, or if some, you know, if he doesn't play as well, if they were like one and three, I would have expected. Okay, now everyone's going to be talking Locke. Locke's not playing until it's week sixteen, and if the Broncos are out of it, like I just hey, don't, I don't think there's watch any your chance. Mouth. I'm saying if you know, so a boomerang, crazy. boomerang IR is sort of like a side piece. IR boomerang. You can keep them there. You know, you kind of keep them out of the limelight. You don't, you know, it's bury not, them it's in not, the backyard for a while, right? But then you know what they say, Wes? They always, you can always dig them back up. You can always dig them back up. Side piece and someone buried because, in the yard, like sounds because it doesn't cost you all this money, Ominous. right? It doesn't, you know, you're not, you're not going out to dinner every piece, week. Yeah. yeah, you're not going out to you. dinner every week. They can cost money, I would imagine. Or as Lil Debbie said, I mean, side ho. I mean, they're, they're paid a full salary, so it breaks down a little there. But right. By the way, has anyone ever seen... But they come back. Has anyone ever seen someone successfully throw a boomerang? It's impossible. I, I owned one as a child. <laughs> Did you ever throw it and it came back to you? Or even not really. Close? No, you can, no, it basically no. goes straight and then... Hooks right and yeah. then lands about thirty-seven feet away from you. You're running after they it. They suck. Yeah. And Australian listeners, you know it too. I was just going to say, over under one hundred <laughs> tweets you're going to get from Australia. Right. And I, it's another reminder. They know it. 
of how much better life is just in general, just in terms of like quality of life now than than before in most of the world. Yeah, this is such a Greg thing. What so- about all the mental illness? <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot. Greg. At some point, though, the, when they invented the boomerang, it's like, wow, that's the best <laughs> entertainment uh, option we've got. Like, I this don't is, think it's this is the biggest revolution that you know we've had in entertainment in decades. Wasn't it meant the, for the hunting? Yeah, it was a hunting a hunting tool, I believe. To a piece of garbage. Don't, so it it's for sustenance and survival. Don't also. come at me with facts. <laughs> Buried my bit. Finally in the news. <laughs> Step behind the red velvet, gentlemen. Matt Nagy's back in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. We've been tracking this. I mean, no podcast has been hitting this story harder, how the Bears have uh, been handling their search for a kicker after the double doink, Cody Parkey. SI drops a hammer. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read this. It's required reading if this is a saga that interests you. Uh, Really digging in on what exactly the Bears have done uh, this offseason. They brought in nine kickers. Nine kickers brought them in like cattle for slaughter and herded them together and used a bizarre scoring system that Byzantine, does that work in this Yeah, that totally, scenario? that's perfect. To try to explain how they were progressing, then cut them at will, had little notes, humiliated the men, didn't treat them like football players. And then they were left with uh, four and now we're down to one poor, poor guy. Who's the last guy there? Eddie Pinheiro. Eddie right? Pinheiro, who I'm really scared for. Oh, he's, so I don't they, think he's going to be their week one kicker. I think so they held a competition? Usually you bring in like at most three or four kickers if you're really looking. The Bears brought in nine, and, and it's and a really great story about This is in some way draconian? Dude, this is – it was read, all the kickers. Read feels the like an old Hollywood casting call. If you can't take the pressure of a kicking competition, what are you going to do with five seconds on the clock? Here's what Notre Dame's Justin Yoon – well, you're in lockstep with uh, Matt Nagy, but everybody else thought it was ridiculous <laughs> I was connected to it. Justin Yoon, a kicker for Notre Dame, had this to say. It's not efficient for the team to continuously beat that one dead horse the whole time. You have to build a system of confidence for your kicker. I don't think that's how the Bears are running it. And, and shout out to Yoon for actually speaking out. A lot of other kickers, they, they spoke never gonna badly. Make it. And uh, they spoke anonymously. I, Yoon he's, there are other out. Bears kickers, if you go look around, their comments, I think what, what they were sort of saying in general as camp press on was exhaustion with the day-to-day pressure. With and, the 43-yard stuff yeah, and all the, the stuff. Augusta silence. How and, soft are these guys? I, I'm not arguing that they're not it's soft. It's a hard job, or, or most people I know. That's, what, that's point, the but. point. But Bill Parcells used to walk up to Vinatieri as a rookie and start putting voodoo on him and walking across his path in the middle well, of the kick. It's a results business, and the Bears coaches have gotten terrible results. So shouldn't they bear some blame here? That Whatever they're doing, $5 million not, at a good kicker. It's not I mean, working. It, yeah. But yeah. Someone should have signed uh, your buddy Myers. He was available, Jason Myers. Can we, like, do actually, that, Bears. can we start some games before we say it's not working? That's fair. I don't. Well, my point is this whole process isn't working because if I could, I would. I'm guessing none of these players will play for the Bears in a regular season game, including Eddie Pinheiro. Their 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 kicker will be someone that's on another roster. Well, then that, that, that does feel like a lot. That, right. Yeah, because then you're how much money have you sunk into airline flights and hotels and all this other? <laughs> yeah, and you're just gonna take <laughs> Matt Bryan off the golf course in a week. Absurd. Why is why isn't Matt Bryan playing for anybody? I don't know. I didn't want to bring him up because I want the Jets to quietly sign him, but you know, I have a responsibility <laughs> to listeners to mention that he would make sense. So you you think your, reach in, is wide. your influence is that great that <laughs> it's a global that audience? Greg. Deep state front office men in the Bears <laughs> complex are now going to figure out that Matt Bryan's available. Shh. <laughs> want him going to Florin Park? That's what's happening in the news. All right, let's do some uh, quick preseason Thursday takeaways. I am so tired of preseason. And I respect you guys if you have a ton of notes to share on this. And we could do a beefy 20-minute segment on the seven games that were played last night. Um, But I'm not going to share too much. So I'm going to let you guys handle the bulk of this. Greg, get us going. What was something from the Thursday action? Please, please, please. (laughs) Week one. Uh, No, there was a very significant development in the Redskins game, which is that Darius Geis played football at the pro level for the first time and looked good. And that is a big step for a guy who still hadn't been cleared until this week to to be in a game and and look like kind of the Darius Geis that we saw in highlights in college. I mean, there I wouldn't say he looked great, but there were 
enough to build off of for a first appearance that you're like, okay, he's going to be a factor week one. That's a big. That was a big development. There were a couple runs where I wondered if his speed was all there, but he laid a nasty Rugged. stiff arm on someone. They gave him the first six carries and eleven in all, and they gave him a catch and. For me, after you, you, you know, you talk about him, you have no idea what behind the scenes how hard they're working to get their body back, and it's a good story for a team that is weapons depleted. And a team that could use some, you know, good news. A team Guys, that lost a tight end last night Jordan too, Reed, for the 18th time. You know, we joke about when I make my jokes about Tyler Eifert and how I believe in him and he gets hurt every year, so don't take him seriously. But Jordan Reed, I mean. And I hope this isn't a serious head injury he has. Well, I mean, that was one of the worst hits I've ever seen a player take to a head. I think any play, I mean, I feel really bad for him. And I've seen some it's terrible. Like, joking Jordan Reed stuff today. But like that was a vicious brain injury. And he's had, he's had a lot of them. But man, that was a tough hit to watch on replay. And in a preseason game. Wes. Uh, we, Mark and I can tag team this one because we both watched Jaguars Dolphins and... Um, I thought that Josh Allen, the Jaguars' number one pick, there are there may be a couple teams regretting not drafting him. He is a huge player. The size speed combination is is very impressive, and he to me he looked like I told Mark like a a, a roadhouse bouncer during the middle of a midnight melee, just hip tossing guys out the saloon doors while somebody's breaking a chair over his back. He's just going through the Dolphins' offensive line like they weren't there. He's Vinovich esque. Yes. I, and I, you know, and I, for me, I have question marks about how the John DeFilippo and Nick Foles um, offense is going to work in their overall Doug Marone world and everything that, you know, Leonard Fournette looked good last night, I thought, which was, which was a nice development, but they're going to need to keep restocking defense over and over. And Josh Allen, at, there's a play, if you can go find this on Twitter, obviously you're playing. Oh, us? At the listener, anyone oh, who heard okay. that. You know, there is a Dolphins right side of the line with Jesse Davis and Dion Calhoun, two guys that just got absolutely... Josh Allen just took kind of both of them with his arms and just swept them aside and buried a running back like nine yards in the backfield. This is a guy that I think anyone who drafted anyone else above him, and they all have the reasons to pick who they did, are going to be measured by how Josh Allen does. And the, and the most impressive play to me was one where he flexed out and covered a running back in the passing game, I think it was Kalen Balaj, and destroyed him. Yes. And you just don't see that from guys that are essentially playing a defensive line. And the, the announcer kept making, I forget who was it, the, a good point that Allen's going to change up the way they do defense because they're always very traditional 4-3, but he's more of a stand-up guy. And when he's out there, it just makes him more flexible. Not if, not, as if that defense needed any more good news. Uh, be fun when uh, Josh when Josh Rosen led that thirteen play ninety nine yard drive, which was impressive. I thought, all right, that's cool. Now do it with Josh Allen out there. Right, jo- Josh Rosen's gotten some pop, and we'll, we'll switch into that last few weeks. And he's ma- man, he makes. I said this even in Arizona, he makes some really impressive throws, and he did that in this game. But I didn't watch that game and think, oh, like, oh, Josh Rosen made his move. It was, no. It's one drive, and it was against the backups. And Fitzpatrick has not looked sharp in the preseason, which is worth noting. But Flores seems to have already decided, based on practices, that there really isn't a competition. And Troy Aikman, I, you tweeted about Yeah, it, I mean, Mark. Troy Aikman made a comment, and, you know, you, obviously he's hearing stuff and spending time with the coaches that it made it sound like, Josh Rosen just has not really grasped the offense uh, or picked it up the way that you'd want him to and that they just feel more comfortable. And that Ryan Fitzpatrick has looked bad in games, but the whole Fitzpatrick experience has the coaching staff feeling much more comfortable. I read, behind, I read, his, com- I read his comment and basically said, Fitzpatrick starting week one, barring him getting you know like a rock landing on him from the sky. You get the vibe that there's still... <laughs> Hopefully not too big. You get the vibe that he that the baggage connected to him is still there. Uh, Charlie Casterly, uh, you know our own Charlie Casterly, was on the show. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Charlie made news um, earlier this year um, for making critical comments or based on a conversation he had uh, on Josh Rosen. And you know you wonder if he's gonna get it, Rosen. Uh, but he's going to start, right? He, I mean, he will eventually. And probably. he has made some great throws. And Aikman, who, you know, has, has seen Rosen play a lot at UCLA. I mean, he said he thinks he's one of the most talented throwers he's ever seen, period. Rosen. Rosen. He had a bla- that Just great coming from and- Troy Aikman. And I can kind of see why you would say that. Man, he has, he has two or three every game that are just 
they're an unbelievable play. So if, at some point, they're just going to want to see yeah, it. But that offensive oh, line looks so bad that yeah, I don't know. No one's going to succeed there. He's it's not like, the it, most mobile guy, and but he made a nice throw and he kind of rolled out and put yep. one right in the receiver's hands, rolled to his right. Uh, yeah, the tools are definitely there. Speaking of toolsy young quarterbacks, Daniel Jones continues to look really good for the Giants. Danny uh, Dimes. Uh, Danny Dimes, which is nice. I saw that. I like that. Pop up. Uh, and... You know, he's 25 of 30. And don't read too much into preseason stats, obviously, but 25 of 30, 369, two touchdowns. He's lost some fumbles, but hasn't thrown an interception, taken two uh, sacks. And Eli's barely played. And this is the best possible outcome uh, for Daniel Jones, what's happened the last three weeks, that he has planted that seed now in not just Pat Shermer's mind, but all the way up the front office chain, that you got a kid here that looks like he can handle it. Like he is not, you're not hearing any reports about Daniel Jones. Uh, he's not, he's too raw. He's not ready yet. And on the field, he doesn't look that way. And I was thinking about it with, when you take a look at the last, let's say, you know, year and a half now, when the Giants made the decision to take Saquon Barkley um, and Sam Darnold went the next pick to the Jets. And if Darnold turns into an all pro and wins the Super Bowl and um, all that, the Giants will always look bad. But you know what? If Barkley, who has all the tools to be a Hall of Fame running back, let's face it, and he had the best rookie year, arguably, of any running back ever last year, If even if Daniel Jones is, what, Andy Dalton, you can't really kill the Giants uh, for the decision they made if Barkley is as special as that. If you went the next year and got a quarterback who can be good to pair with a potential all-time running back, and I don't want to get too hyperbolic there, Maybe they didn't mess it up so bad. Well, if Barkley is Jim Brown, for instance, then, okay, you're going to look back and say, no one, I don't think anyone says that Barkley is the suspect part of what they did. It was just not planning around the quarterback or hoping that they lucked into one this year. If Daniel Jones works out, it's Dave Gettleman, and we already, you know, there's already the jokes out on Twitter, which make a lot of sense about Dave Gettleman sitting back in his easy chair in his office saying, F you to essentially Mike Francesa and every single media person ever that ripped on me. That's how it works. Daniel <laughs> Jones works out. He's going to enjoy it. Like, I, I'm kind of, A, Daniel Jones makes the Giants more fun to watch. One of the things I liked in this game, because he's had really good pass protection in general, and so quarterbacks are going to look better that way. But he did have a couple throws against pressure in this game, and he's not afraid to just rip it there was, down 30, 35 yards with, with that's pressure, what I love about him. pressure in his face. And it, it almost makes it made me think about that. I, I think I've been a little anti-Giants over the years. Uh, on this podcast, but um, I think once the Daniel Jones era starts, that's all over, and I'm going to enjoy Dave Gettleman just like bringing up the Daniel Jones draft pick in every conversation and talking trash to basically every reporter forever. If that happens, and you, it'd and, be delightful. And I think that the, you know you can talk about him all day, but you mentioned it. Their line: you've got Kevin Zeitler, Will Hernandez. Looks like they've found someone very stable for a long. Their line was such a disaster for so long that he stepped in at the perfect time. Nate Solder's a problem. No, I think that's under the radar. Carl Lawson was giving him the business. There was a sequence with Jones where he completed a a downfield pass about 35 yards, then got walloped, got destroyed on like almost like a double hit from each side, uh, lost the ball, got up, and then one or two plays later stood tall in the pocket and put one right down to the goal line that led to a touchdown. Like that stuff is pretty impressive. One note on Eli. I think it's worth noting that David Deal, former Giants offensive lineman, told – Anthony Munoz, current Bengals uh, analyst, that he hasn't seen Eli throw with this much velocity in a number of years. <laughs> I feel like some former giant Eli teammate says that every. I mean, but what's been like is every quarterback is getting that compliment this summer. It's got a little more. It's always like Sean O'Hara is like, oh, it's, it's, it looks, you know, but then you watch stronger than ever, and you watch anything he's know. throwing deep, and then you watch Daniel Jones, and who do you want? Daniel Jones, um, many times. Anybody else throw out? I would say I looked at the the Ravens-Eagles game, and who knows what's going to happen with either one of these quarterbacks this year. But it was interesting to watch the journey of my boy, Trace McSorley, who I've brought up a few times on this show. Number one, I love what the Ravens did here. There was one play in the very early part of the game where they essentially handed it off to a running back to Justice Hill where it, on a play where they had three offensive linemen in front of them and six people like split out wide. The play totally failed, but I loved it. But McSorley <laughs> in general like looked interesting to me enough where I think you could find ways to use him 
to some degree on the field in places. If you were going to do that with RG3, I would rather do it, try it with Trace McSorley at this point. He made the team last night. They're not cutting it now. He should have. And then I think on the other side, Josh McCown, it kind of just shows you that, I mean, there was a play where at some point they feel like in four or five days he's learned the protections and the entire scheme to such a degree and audibles that he did so much pre-snap that he walked over during a timeout to the sideline and Carson Wentz and the coaches were all giggling with him because they couldn't believe how much he'd picked up and that you can just roam around network television for a while or cable television and then if you've done this long enough, roll back into a team and unfurl 200-something yards and make J.J. Arcega-Whiteside look like he should (laughs) be on the first-team offense. Professional quarterback right? I mean, But McCown still has it. And it makes me wonder, you go some of the backups around the league and say... (laughs) You did not yank Josh McCown out of retirement. Some of these clowns roaming around. You got Kevin Hogan, please. Dolly, he played against first teamers last year and couldn't play anymore. I'm not That's saying Josh Josh McCown is always going to be Josh McCown, though. He's going to come in and do some I great love Josh things McCown. and some bad he's, things. He's a but, coach on the field. Right. His first three drives last night, it looked like he should have stayed in retirement. And yeah. then all of a sudden, he caught fire. If the Eagles front office decided to do it, they're in front office I buy into right now, and so I like the move. I, I'm wary of... Uh, I hate the move. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm wary of buying into uh, any preseason hype, but this does look like the best Patriots defense in oh, yeah. a little while. And let, in that game, it, again, it's a preseason, but if Cam Newton hadn't got hurt, the story would have been, I, you know, the Panthers' starting offense got steamrolled. They, had, they averaged less than two yards per play against the Patriots when the two starters were out there. Like, they were just, guys are flying all over, and it's guys who have been in the system a long time, and it's a very deep secondary. I think Belichick is loving that he's the coordinator for this specific defense, because I think they're primed. Can I ask one question? Why are we going up to, uh, is it the Ottawa Blue Bombers field, and finding out hours before the game that the NFL teams don't like where the end zone is positioned, and suddenly we're playing an NFL preseason game on an 80-yard field that looks somewhat suspect to begin with. I know there's probably people even inside this building that would be annoyed at bringing that up, but like, why aren't we three or four months ahead of time scoping that out and saying, this is appropriate, and we have teams sign off, or we don't? I was like, are they going to count the stats from this game? I mean, this is ridiculous. They're playing on an 80-yard field. I mean, and this comes... <laughs> what? This comes a year after the Mexico City. <laughs> what are you talking I, I, about? I don't know. The, uh, fiasco. Uh, where the field was wet, so they they couldn't get it safe enough for the players. I mean, the Packers, for, for those uh, who hadn't heard the story, they were going to play their starters in this game. The Raiders were not anyways, but they decided not to because of this 80-yard funky field Well, the Packers situation. lost first-round linebacker Rashawn Garrett. We don't know how serious it is, but carted off the field. Can I do it real quick? The 80-yard field. Uh, sure. Uh, Ryan Finley, Bengals quarterback. I think they have something Im- impressive there. They've got something interesting mm-hmm. behind Andy Dalton. He has looked really good three weeks in a row. Uh, accurate, savvy. Um, Hollywood Brown, Ravens rookie, first rounder, back in plane finally. Looked pretty good. And my favorite thing of the preseason so far, Matt Millen back in the booth. This guy, That's great. we thought he was on death's doorstep. He was. To quote Damashek, not just surviving, but living. He's dropping lines like uh, like later, Raiders linebackers dropping interceptions, and he says, I got, I've got, i seen better hands on a clock. A great broadcaster, and it annoys me. Of course, he's going to be remembered for his time as the general manager, and, and he's gone to college in terms of broadcasting. But people are just like, why should we listen to Matt Millen like, as a broad? It's like, well, what is a lot of broadcasting? It doesn't, down, mean you you can't, doesn't mean that you're not a smart person who's really Ooh. good. He, he's always been one of my favorite uh, announcers. It's a different skill set. Right, running exactly. exactly. Matt Millen got a heart transplant. You cannot be closer to Death Star. No. Then when you, you literally have your heart taken out of your body and you're given the heart of another human being. That's pretty cool. Live it up, Matt Millen. By the way, it is Winnipeg, not Ottawa, for the people in Canada that were about to tweet at me. Don't want to hear about it. Love you, Canada. Love Canada, beautiful nation. That's what's happening in the preseason. Let's go week one. Get here. Greg wrote a banger. There's no uh, two ways around it. 2009. Here's the headline. NFL.com. I mean, I don't do the headlines. What is it? You had something to do with it. 2019 NFL preseason colon. Training camp surprises for all 32 ah, teams. I like that. A little bit of SEO, but quite direct. <laughs> uh, so you went through every team. You threw out a surprise. So, Greg, why don't you kind of steer the ship here with of your list of 32 surprises? And actually, if you, if you read the piece, Mark, did you read it? 
I've I know you did. Outline. Wow, there's highlights. There's highlights. This guy's prepped. You're on fire today, Mark. Um, If you read it the way Mark did, you know you get more than 32 surprises here. That's annotated. Yeah, some teams got multiple. 32 teams, but it's 46 surprises. I'd say there are 57 surprises. (laughs) Abridged, annotated. (laughs) Let's say 46 to 57 surprises in this content. Uh, Greg, of that uh, list of 46 to 57, what were some of yours uh, that you liked Mm. the most? Or the most interesting, intriguing? Well, Quinnen Williams' start at nose tackle didn't take, according to Connor Hughes of The Athletic. You know, they thought they'd huge start inside between Henry Anderson uh, and Leonard Williams. And, it, and I think they've decided that's not his best position. I don't think this is a huge deal, but I think he's going to probably start the year rotating, you know, maybe coming off the bench, which to me was a little bit of a, a surprise learning that. And they're waiting doesn't mean he hasn't looked good in, in the preseason, but he's not going to be a guy who just steps out there and is playing 50 snaps again. Maybe trade Leonard Williams to the Texans for Jadavian Clowney and then slide over Quinnen Williams to the end where he could play every snap. And then you have a game-changing Clowney in the mix as well. It's not that crazy. I, I'm warming up to your trade idea. How many defensive linemen are they going to move over the course of four or five years? <laughs> That's what they do. There's a churn. It's an, there's always churn in the uh, NFL, Mark. Except unless you're the Cowboys league. and you resign the entire position group and stay strong for the next si- five, was, six, seven years. What was that? The Sons of Anarchy? What? Wilkerson, Richardson. Yes, that was. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was it. Um, grown up and moved on. What else, Greg? Uh, how about uh, DJ Chark? Remember him, the first round pick of the Jaguars a year ago who had kind of a disastrous. He was in first round. Or was he at the top of the second round? He was second. Uh, he is now one of their top three receivers. They came into the season knowing who their top three receivers are, and it doesn't include Marquise Lee, and it doesn't include Keelan Cole, who we used to uh, you know, write hosannas about on, a bad year. on this podcast. Uh-huh. And so it's now Chris Conley, who used to be with Kansas City. It's Dee, Dee Westbrook, who uh, Mark's boy John D. Filippo said is the best route runner he's ever coached, which includes Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Is, is he still in your stable of boys, Mark, in 2019? No reason not to think he's a great guy. And uh, it's DJ Chark, who ESPN called their preseason uh, training camp MVP. So he kind of came out of nowhere, and he's going to have a a role there. Speaking of uh, preseason and training camp MVPs, and this was a bit of a saucy subject on the fantasy extravaganza, both The Athletic and ESPN named Deshaun Jackson the Eagles training camp MVP, (laughs) which uh, Greg astutely points out. Not a sentence he expected to write in 2019. Um, Is it possible that we get a vintage D-Jack season? Yes, yes. I have... I mean, 1,300 yards. I think him in Tampa last year, he's been so underrated that he's looked like the same Deshaun Jackson the whole time, but Jameis Winston is not great throwing the deep ball, and that just wasn't a very good offense in general, and that he's looked really good. That's my opinion. What is a vintage DJX season? I'm going to look that up while you guys argue. Wes, you disagree. 800 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, At his peak, he was a guy that could average 18 to 20 yards uh, per reception. He's just, I can't remember a guy that old that fast. Maybe, I mean, Daryl Green certainly. There's certainly been some, but man, he hasn't lost any speed. He led the NFL in yards per reception last year at 18.9 over uh, 41 catches. Dan, I think you're not, you're going to like that this is out there. What? This caught my eye down in Carolina. Oh, Longtime Panthers hero, oh, yeah, Graham Gano. Veteran kicker Graham Gano could lose his job to someone named Joey Sly. <laughs> Sounds fake. Mark. Which is an even bigger Shh. surprise than Cam Newton's deep ball reported looking better than ever during camp. Until you're on Dan's corner. Well, <laughs> just saying. No, you, you're welcome on the kicking corner, but I want to keep these good kickers that are going to get fired. I, you need a hush-hush on, scenario off here. Off the radar. Uh, Gano's going to be kicking for the Bears. Right. One of these guys is for the Bears. <laughs> you know, maybe. I wouldn't mind the Browns Sam, taking one of them. You guys can have Sam Ficken. <laughs> no, I don't want Ficken. Well, and maybe it's Sly that gets Kai. traded. Is someone got to trade for Sly, who has, preparatively, he's just looked so good, and Gano had a pretty iffy year last year, and Gano's just not healthy yet. That's that's part of the issue. Sly's, Sly's got a leg. I want, that's a good jersey. Joey Sly? Yeah. That's Sly. a great, what a, have to have Joey what a great kicker too, name. Yes. Who do you want, Sam Ficken, or do you want Joey Sly? You want Joey Sly. Joey Sly, you can trust him. He'll get the <laughs> job done. Maybe you can't trust him, actually, but, you know, right. he'll get it done. He'll get what he wants. Which I think it was through the uprights. I think it was good that you noted all these that for like the third or fourth year in a row. All, this pileup of maladies and injuries in San Francisco. It feel I feel like ten years from now we're going to get um, 
like an Aaron Brockovich type movie about what is happening to the drinking water around the facility. I mean, it's, it's like something is going on here and it's ridiculous. <laughs> Brockovich. It's like Chernobyl. But I mean, something unusual is occurring. I midnight showing you that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the football movie we need. Uh, you know, Carlos Hyde not so long ago was, you know, the golden boy in San Francisco and didn't work out in Cleveland, bounced around. And now, Greg, quite a su- surprise potentially that he might not even make the final 53 in Kansas City. They gave him 800000 guaranteed. I mean, this is where our editors, you know, Gennaro Felice, what a great job. Gennaro. Oh, he's great. I had the wrong signing Excellent. bonus. He just, he just fixed it. Didn't even say it. Didn't anything. brag about it. Didn't right. shoot didn't you a nasty note. I noticed it when I reread it. I was like, oh, sorry. He got, They gave him almost a million dollars, and Darwin Thompson and a former cornerback, Traymond Smith, who's like a special teamer, who converted to running back just a few weeks ago, is going to make the team over Carlos Hyde. It's a bad sign if you're Carlos Hyde. Uh, quick breaking news. Breaking news. Ricky mm. Hollywood. Taylor Luan, who uh, the – all-pro Titans left tackle who made an impassioned plea uh, when uh, word got out that he was going to be suspended uh, for violating the league's performance-enhancing uh, substances policy. Well, it didn't work out. Uh, his his appeal to the league uh, didn't uh, change anything. So he's he's out the first four games of the 2019 season. Did a lie detector test, which many people apparently don't believe in. Also, if you... <laughs> I I mean, I understand scientifically. Have you read up on Taylor Luan at all? I mean, I know many facts. There are some interesting facts about Taylor Luan out there. I'm just saying. I don't know. They're guys I believe. Some guys I don't believe. It was an impassioned plea. Have you watched the current season of Mindhunter? Uh, I will be doing that soon. One of the serial killers, they find a book stashed in his his drawer, How to Beat a Lie Detector Test. (laughs) And then he proceeded to beat the lie lie detector test. Um, let's go on. Uh, Greg. How about the uh, Steelers defense? I want Wes to jump in here, too. Uh, let's talk some Sam McGuavin. Oh, okay. Ow! Now you know how to say his name. Sam McGuavin. Well, yeah, he's been running with the starters, the Dolphins. This guy's, while Kiko Alonso is starters. out with an undisclosed injury, and Greg has opined, may not even make the team. Sam McGuavin, former CFL player. Is, is playing alongside Sam Baker, who looks uh, really good. Yeah, uh, Jerome Baker, who looked – yeah, he had oh, a Jerome great Baker. game, and he's supposedly looked good. This is what happens when new coaches come in sometimes. They're, they had a second-round pick in Raekwon McMillan, who might not make the team. Kiko Alonso, who is kind of, you know, with the old regime, and they've got their their new guys. If nothing else, they got to try some young players and see what happens. Kiko Alonso is kind of a good villain to have on your team. He's a he's a Esther. I, I could see him <laughs> landing with the Raiders in about three weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How yes. about the uh, the Steelers' defensive back? I feel like that's been a trouble spot forever, and maybe this is just camp hype. Like I'm not too excited about Steven Nelson, who they gave a lot of money to as a Chiefs cornerback. But they they're saying Cameron Sutton and Artie Burns, who are two pretty high draft picks, both had really good camps, especially Sutton, and that uh, Edmonds, their safety, who was their first-round pick a year ago, too, is really coming on in his second year. Joe Hayden, who they've really loved. I think they're going to give him a long-term contract uh, since he's been in Pittsburgh. Suddenly, that secondary looks pretty good. Mike Tomlin has the has the defense. Like, Why is this defense not good? It should be really good. I, I don't know why. It, like, There's no excuse for it not to be a top eight to 10 defense. I think it's really talented. People are very annoyed uh, with our ability to constantly bag on the Detroit Lions, but you did note that Matthew Stafford's practice reports, etc., have been up and down. He's throwing with a lot of zip this summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are we? Are we feeling good? Or? No, that's what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect. It's Daryl Bevel who's kind of, who changes his offenses depending on what team he's at, but the, they've just been, you know, he had those joint practices with the Patriots, Stafford, and just in general... The writers there have just been saying that the offense just hasn't had it going, and you worry about that a little bit with a veteran quarterback. Are we sure they've shown up to camp yet? <laughs> that was that was a few years ago. You've gotten you well, got on them for not showing up. Have we seen their first team offense at all? They didn't. Yeah, and they didn't. Have or their, even their second team offense. Or their first team defensive line is just now getting back healthy. Almost all of those guys. Uh, have been heard at some point. Well, they're playing the Cardinals in week one, so we know that Arizona's keeping it under wraps. Detroit's saying, we're going to do the same thing. We're not going to show you anything, and we're going to unveil our mess massively run-heavy offense and surprise you just as much, Cardinals defense. And you know what? Against that the Cardinals defense... fast enough. Well, against the Cardinals defense, they might be fine. 
Uh, Jameis Winston has always had a you know a bit of a sneaky dad bod. Um, if you remember Hard Knocks, you know, and shirtless scenes, you know, he's obviously a well-built, he's an incredible, you know, athlete, uh, but not cut out of stone like other professionals. Uh, well, contract doesn't have your the body. Derek Carr arms. No, he doesn't have the bu- the pipes of Derek Carr, but he's got the bod working right now, Greg. And you know what that means? You can just tell it in his face. What does it mean? I don't know. He's going to win the MVP. Oh, okay. Usually, uh, doesn't mean anything. Actually, I mean, it doesn't. But. It doesn't take much for me to find something positive to say about Jameis Winston going. At least, just like hoping that he's going to turn it around. But you could tell when he was scrambling, and he's always been an underrated scrambler. I think he's a pretty good scrambler, but you can just tell he's he's quicker this year. I mean, he's lost some weight. His face just looks like it's college Jameis. They, Winston. you know what? They have a. They're going to have such a hard decision. The Bucks. Let's say he has a better season and he's a little bit more consistent. He keeps his nose clean and turns the ball over a little bit less. Maybe the Bucks don't go anywhere, but he shows some growth in the Bruce Arians era. Are they going to give him like a massive contract? The thing I'd They're say... They're kind of going to be in a very tough spot and dis- a big decision. It was Jason Light's pick. He's just been extended. If, if he has that good year, it looks like... You, Franchise tag. Right? I mean, well, really? Is that what they'll do, you think? Yeah. I mean, he buys them a year to to make up their mind That's, whether it's real or not. It's a fair thought. That's the worst idea. Oh, he could go the Kirk Cousins route. Or what? Sign for that kind of money. Or the Blake else? Bortles route. Well, the Bucks could just drag it out if they don't believe him. They don't believe that, you know, they want to give him a mega contract. Yeah. West nailed it is what I'm saying. What if that team goes 5-11? and 11? I don't know. At some point, can we not be totally they disappointing go five, compared 11, to our roster? Yeah, if they go 5-11. and 11, I, I don't think he's coming back as the starter. Yeah, need progress for sure. Uh, anything else? Anybody want to jump in with one of their own? Or, Greg, another one of yours? <laughs> All right. That, that's that. It's Friday. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Everybody's working on Good stuff, Greg. Check it out. NFL.com slash Rosenthal. Thank you. A real banger. You'll you'll notice the bangers. There's an uptick in bangers now, as week one approaches. Mark, you've you've had bangers. Wes, you've had bangers. Wes had a great piece on all the all the rookies to keep an eye on. That's have a good uh, training camp. Thank you. This man. week, we should talk about that. Let's get into it. Let's extend the pod. <laughs> Wait, let's do it next week. <laughs> I, by the way, have a surprise banger that could come out any time between. Tonight Ooh. and twenty forty six. Oh, gotta watch out for the surprise. Just, well, yeah, Mark. Just, not, no, no, no. We can't say anything more. We can uh, say more. No, we ca- absolutely cannot. Well, we can say that you pre-wrote an obituary. People do that in news yes. organizations. All we just of. won't say it for Judy it, but, Batista is right. generally the go-to <laughs> pre-write obit uh, writer at this company. She writes a lot of them. I'm not even joking, but they. They trusted Mark for a big one. I, it, it puts you in a weird spot because not that <laughs> in, I'm actually everybody. this, but it's like, do I really want to wait 35 years for this piece to come out? It's like, you know, or you. Can you, is it okay to call an obituary a banger? I mean, that's. No. A, that's <laughs> no. I would call it the last word. It's the last word. It's indecent. Mark, it's not a banger. Out of our, our text chain, he called it a long form. I'm like, you do it 3,500 <laughs> words or something on this? What's well, going on? <laughs> it's. It's a major figure. This individual better, you know, at some point expire because that would just be a waste of a lot of work. At some point they will. I just will our organization still, you know, the file could get lost in the mix. That's right. Like I, I hope you know. this doesn't happen, but it's certainly possible that you could perish before this person or any one of us. Or his, totally, totally. Or Mark's, uh, Mark's status of employment with this company could perish. You're not going to run it then. I did think about that. Like, it's, like we should have turned this down. Like, I don't want to get into someone else's business, but like, you know, if, if, if Judy, let's say, you know, th- there's different, you know, ev- everyone knows talent as contracts. So when her contract is up, can't she just be like, well, what are you going to do with the 35 obits I wrote? You got to bring me back. You can't run those uh, if I'm no longer with the company. Good negotiating. It's a great leverage. I guess you could yank the byline. (laughs) So I'm a businessman, and that's how I've been thinking. Save it for the Morbid Humor podcast. Um, All right. Before we go, a couple (laughs) new. Greg, you want to get a little plug in? Your uh, your little side pod is coming back. Oh, I didn't know where you were going. I didn't know where you were going. Your little like, star do I have something to uh, promote? Oh, yes. The, the little uh, rising star. She'll be leaving us soon enough. Uh, she the Jesselnick and Rosenthal <laughs> Vanity Project is coming back to Comedy Central podcast for season two starting September 3rd. So people should catch up, you know, with the old episodes. Catch up now. And Ricky, by the way, connect the dots. Ricky's doing this unnamed fantasy project with Rank where she's on camera. She is... A big part of the the Jeselnik Rosenthal show, 
she's not gonna be sitting behind the glass too much longer. It's just more like so when you're your in, you're in middle school and you move to a completely different part of the country. You go to a different school. You become a high school person. You say you're going to keep in touch with all those middle school, middle school friends back in Minnesota. You, by the time you're in a sophomore in high school, you you will never speak to any of them ever again. She's not the kind of bird you can keep caged, you know. No. Yeah, but I'd never leave you guys. Well, you say that now. Well, we'll play that in the episode where we say goodbye to you. <laughs> just, like, just like clip that. Clip that. And we heard Connie Fox earlier. She was on the latest throwback pod where we talked about her se- her senior year of high school, August 2002. Some bangers in that era. I mean, you're revealing her age, which I don't think is a problem, but mm. just done that. She is, uh, you know, Connie is, she is without any type of, you know, some people get sensitive about that. Connie's not one of them. That's a, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Well, I was not woman. assessing differently. I was just saying factually people could put together what her age is if they were curious. They probably wouldn't have thought about it, but then right. you brought oh, it up. And well, we should cut this from the show. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so check that out at Throwback Pod. Um, and let's, let's all have a nice weekend. Let's have a safe weekend. Okay? All right. <laughs> you guys are ready to go. <laughs> Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss. I could sit here all day. You guys are ready to go. And Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Go for it. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.